0: Hi friends welcome back to tea time even after I only have to hear it one time a month it's still one time too many mm,
1: that's why I have to do it extra extra mm. sippy because we don't get Ew. to do it very often anymore
0: I don't like that I do
1: so does everybody else
0: I don't know about that either mm. Um. Well, we missed you, friends. It's been so long. Yeah, it feels
1: like it's forever between these episodes, but then also it feels like they creep up so quickly.
0: <laughs> I know. I feel like if people are listening to episodes back to back, they're like, shut up. Every single episode you say it's been so long, but I literally just listened one yeah. after <laughs> the other. So sorry to you, friends. Um. But we have been busy schooling working all of the things yeah like wedding planning
1: life's been a little hectic I think that we definitely made the right decision doing moving down to one episode per month just because like we can put more into it whenever we do the episodes
0: for sure. And this week, we get to talk about weenies. Ooh, I love talking about weenies.
1: All been waiting for. <laughs> yes, a
0: very requested topic. Yeah, yeah. We're very excited to deliver. So we are just going to go over strictly FTM bottom surgery options. We're going to go over kind of the two main ones and... And our disclaimer for this episode is that we are not doctors, obviously, in any way, (laughs) shape, or form. So we will be posting a bunch of resources for this episode from actual doctors Mm -hmm. (laughs) about how these procedures go, but we're just going to try to synthesize all of that information and give you all a quick overview. kind of what these surgeries entail.
1: Yeah, for sure. So like Lauren said, there are two major surgeries and then there are a few like supplemental supporting surgeries that we'll get into a very brief amount later. But the first of the two big ones is called metoidioplasty, um, or you can call it meta for short. Um, So as we've discussed before, um, when you're on testosterone as a trans man, there's usually quite a bit of clitoral enlargement. Um, so in the metoidioplasty, uh, the surgeon uses the tissue from the enlarged clitoris to make a phallic-like structure that's usually about four to six centimeters in length. Um, and most often, this is actually referred to as like a micropenis because that's sort of what it looks like.
0: Yeah, and some of the resources we will be posting today... Um, are links to kind of like pictures from a surgeon's website so if you can't really picture it and you're over 18 years old click on the link and take a look to better understand porn yeah look at some weenies (laughs) on this fine day
1: (laughs) but um with metoidioplasty one of the biggest benefits for it is uh, being to being able to actually stand up to pee However, that's also based on your body shape and the length, and it's always important to remember that it's different for everybody's body, and so it's not always going to be a guarantee that you're able to do that.
0: Right, so one of our resources for the week is actually a YouTube video of a surgeon kind of answering a bunch of questions about metoidioplasties, and one of the things he talks about is kind of the taller and more slender you are in body shape, the more likely you'll be able to pee standing up with a metoidioplasty. However, he says you have pretty good odds despite any other body shape or any other length of the phallus after this procedure to be able to to pee standing up, which is a major win for body dysphoria.
1: Yeah, for sure. I didn't know that. And you're right that that would be a major win because I feel like I'm not sure if I've talked about it on the pod before or not, but like something that gives me a bit of dysphoria is peeing in public restrooms because I feel like... Lauren always makes fun of me because she's like "Bo, nobody's looking at your feet they don't care like people go into the bathroom to like do their thing and then leave like they don't care but like I always stress because I'm like oh my god like what if this person that's standing at the urinal outside of my stall sees that I'm like sitting and peeing and then I pull out toilet paper like oh my god what's happening I get they probably just
0: think (laughs) you're pooping
1: Probably, but we've actually I've done like research before and we've even asked people in our lives like like your brother, for example, we've asked before, like, whenever you're pooping too, whenever you go to poop, do you also sit to pee first? Because usually you pee and poop together. Like right. you do both at the same time whenever you're pooping. So like we've asked before, <laughs> do you sit to pee also whenever you're about to poop as well?
0: <laughs> and the answer was yes, right. Yes, that it seems was. like a lot of work to Stand up, pee, (laughs) sit down, just sit for it all. Take a load off. If any cis
1: men listeners out there would like to write in to let us know what you do to help out, that would would be great. Um, But moving forward with metoidioplasty, another benefit is that um, in comparison to the phalloplasty, which is the next surgery we'll get into, it's less complex and somewhat less invasive. um, And it also has usually a shorter recovery time.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a disadvantage of metoidioplasty is that sexually penetrative sex will for sure be difficult, if mm. at all possible, because again, it metoidioplasty phallus kind of looks like a micro penis. Mm-hmm. It's like very small. So again, if you want to go look at the pictures to better visualize, you go for it. Yeah. Um but on the flip side of that you do retain most of if not all of your feeling in Mm -hmm. your genitals after this procedure which is a bit different for a phalloplasty so that's definitely a plus side
1: yeah for sure so then, perfect transition into the second surgery, which we've mentioned by name a couple of times now, um, a phalloplasty. Uh, that's the other bigger form of bottom surgery for trans men. Um, and in this procedure, skin is taken from the forearm, usually one of these three places. It's the forearm, the thigh, or the back. Sometimes I've even heard it's been like the buttocks. Is that true? Do you know that?
0: Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Just
1: like fattier places on your body. Um, they take uh, like a skin graft from those places, and then they use that skin to construct a phallus. Now, in a phalloplasty, um, it's important to note that this is a sizable chunk of skin. Um, we'll post some photos so that you all can see what this skin graft sort of looks like but it's honestly the photos we've looked at before they're kind of like terrifying (laughs) like how does that heal
0: yeah I agree like for those who get the skin taken from their forearm it's almost from your wrist to your elbow like all the way around and Mm. for on your thigh it's like the whole front half it's like a big chunk of skin yeah. And I feel like personally, that is like the scariest part to me thinking about if that is something you would choose, like that giant skin graft healing over time because it's huge.
1: Mm-hmm. It also is dependent too on your body type, right? Because we all For have sure. different bodies and different levels of like BMI and body fat. And um, so those of us that maybe have a little bit more extra body fat, it would, maybe be easier or less, I guess, invasive. Mm -hmm. Um, But for those of us that are smaller, it might be more difficult to find a place where you can get, you know, that substantial amount of skin for the phallus.
0: Yeah. I think something that is pretty cool that I found, at least on our kind of website of the week, which was from the Crane Center that does a lot of these surgeries. They talked about what they call a free flap phalloplasty, which is when you take that skin graft and instead of kind of just constructing the phallus and slapping it on there, (laughs) they take their time to kind of line up and attach arteries and sensory nerves to preserve as much sensation as possible, which would be a big benefit for sex Mm -hmm. or for peeing or Mm -hmm. for anything, really. And so I thought that was very interesting. That's also just, like, mind-blowing to me that that works. Like, Mm -hmm. you can just take skin from your leg Make a wiener and still feel it. That's like (laughs) mind blowing to me.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's always been very interesting to me. I feel like, you know, I remember shortly after I came out, almost over two years ago now at this point, um, we started just like doing research on a bunch of the different gender confirming surgeries and Like just for fun at that point, I feel like. Mm -hmm. But and I remember like even still two years later now, I don't get it. Like me neither. We've done quite a decent amount of research and I just like don't understand how it works.
0: No, science is wild. I
1: know. Um, But yeah, so like Lauren was saying, that free flap phalloplasty is really cool, I feel like, because since the phalloplasty procedure is a bit more invasive and complex, it can sometimes lead to loss of sensation. Um, So I think that it's really important that surgeons take that step to try to preserve that for those that are, um, you know, interested in that preservation.
0: Yeah, for sure. And once the phallus is kind of healed, there is the option to put in a penile implant. Mm. And there are a few different types of implants as well. The first that the Crane Center kind of talks about is a bendable rod. So essentially, you just insert that into the phallus. You can kind of tilt it up mm. to simulate an erection and tilt it down. You could. It's like a bendy straw, is what I imagine, in my brain.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you can
0: make all sorts of fun shapes if you want, probably.
1: For sure. I have to say my favorite of the two is this second one. Lauren, do you want to go ahead and, and talk about it? I think this is amazing, and I just like love the image that I get in my brain whenever we talk about it.
0: <laughs> Again, science is wild. So the second one, I think, is so cool. Okay. So... After the surgery, there is again kind of like a rod or more of a tube, I'd say, inserted into the phallus and then a pump is placed in one of the testicles and that pump holds saline solution. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to simulate an erection, you just like squeeze your testicle to like (laughs) pump it up like a balloon And your wiener gets hard. It's
1: amazing. And
0: then, so that on its own is one type. And then you can even take it a step further and have like a little, button is a terrible word to use, but that's the one I'm going to use. It's like a button that's inserted kind of in your abdomen that you can Mm. press and all the saline solution goes back into the pump to like deflate your wiener yeah, that's
1: amazing i just think Isn't that that's the wildest so cool. thing you've ever heard yeah i just think that that's wild so cool so cool um but so moving forward then within the phalloplasty some benefits of it are that um penetrative sex is much more easily accomplished um and then also the results of a phalloplasty t- phalloplasty typically um look more like a traditional
0: penis. Okay. Also, if you go look at these pictures, please write in because I want to chat with everyone specifically about it. But because like we talked about that everyone has a different body type, the skin graft you get from everyone is going to be different. Some of these bad boys are huge. (laughs) They are not. I would say a majority of the photos I've looked at today, which are many, 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 Are not necessarily long. I would say maybe around four inches, Mm -hmm. three to four inches. I would say, but they are thick. Like (laughs) they are like as thick as my palm. Like (laughs) they're big (laughs) boys. (laughs) They're ginormous. (laughs) I'm like, well, good for you, Kings. Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, But then some disadvantages of the phalloplasty include. Occasionally, like we mentioned before, sometimes less sensation um, and also many more complexities. Um, And and the phalloplasty, or do they both, consist of multiple steps, like multiple stepped surgeries?
0: Um, From what I've read, I think it kind of depends on what you get. I think a metoidioplasty can be completed in one step if that's all you want. But I think the phalloplasty requires at least, like, the skin graft is one step, Mm. then like making the phallus and attaching everything is like another step. So I feel like there's a lot more going on, which can lead to more complications for the phalloplasty. Mm, That makes
1: sense. And longer uh, recovery. Oh, for sure. Um, But so moving on. So those are the two, you know, generalized brief outlines of the two major bottom surgeries for FTM. Um, but then there are also some other associated surgeries that go along with them. So, one of those is that you can get what's called a scrotoplasty, um, which basically just takes the labia majora and makes it into a drum roll, please <laughs> ball sack. <laughs> I love that one. I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think that's pretty cool because you can get it with either a metoidioplasty or a phalloplasty. So, if that is something you kind of feel dysphoric about that's a super cool option to Mm -hmm. have
1: yeah
0: um and also you can get a hysterectomy to remove the uterus and for some phalloplasties from what we have read that a hysterectomy is required Mm -hmm. but also this is recommended for some ftm friends who even don't want to have surgery because it totally eliminates the risk of uterine or cervical cancers down the line And if you have a hysterectomy, you won't really be required to have gynecological screenings because that could be a super dysphoria-triggering experience Mm -hmm. for people who have to go to the gynecologist. That's just not fun.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So some stats on trans people that actually end up getting bottom surgery um, because we do have a point that we want to make at the end of all of this. Um, But in general, for both trans men and trans women, Genital gender-confirming surgery, or GCS, or bottom surgery, as we've been talking about for this whole episode, is generally less common than chest surgeries or top surgeries. So for trans men specifically, um, it's been reported that only about 3% of trans men have had a phalloplasty, while 19% report wanting one in the future, and only about 2% have had a metoidioplasty, with 25% wanting it in the future. Um, and then we also wanted to pull in at least some stats for trans women as well, even though we didn't really cover those surgeries. But it, for trans women, between 5 and 13% at some point in their lifetime have undergone bottom surgery, with honestly a significantly larger amount of 45 to 54% wanting it in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts about those numbers?
0: I obviously read this before, and I just think that is super interesting. I wonder if it's more of a societal expectation. Trans women generally experience more violence, Mm -hmm. more sexual violence. I wonder if that's kind of a safety precaution that they have what society deems the correct parts, even Mm -hmm. though that's stupid. But that was really interesting to read and learn about.
1: Yeah, especially because, I mean, we we don't know nearly as much about Um, I don't even know what is it like a vaginal
0: vaginoplasty yeah
1: the words are all kind of confusing sometimes but um, especially because I'm pretty sure that a vaginoplasty is more invasive than either of the FTM Mm -hmm. GCS bottom surgeries
0: yeah if you want to do a little bit of research the links for this week on the Crane Center website you can also learn about surgeries for trans women Mm -hmm.
1: yeah but all of that is to say um, that What we are getting at is that it is okay to not get or to not want bottom surgery. Um, Not getting and or not wanting bottom surgery as a trans person does not make you any less trans, and it is a totally, totally valid decision, um, especially because they're expensive, they're time-consuming, they're potentially risky in some mm-hmm. senses depending on what you're looking for or what you would be pursuing it for. So it is totally okay to not get bottom surgery. Yes, yeah, so or live top your surgery, life yeah. whatever you want.
0: However you feel most comfortable. Mm-hmm. do it. Live for your sure. life. Don't yep. let anyone tell you differently.
1: Nope, you are who you say you are and we believe you And you are valid. Mm-hmm. We love you. We love you.
0: So I kind of just wanted to chat a little bit at the end here about, your thoughts on bottom surgery and kind of the roller coaster of thoughts that you and I have been through in regards to you getting bottom surgery.
1: Yeah, so I feel like for me, bottom surgery has been a very flip-floppy uh, topic of mm-hmm. discussion. I think that whenever I first came out, like I think we were like researching or whatever, and at that point it was very early on, and excuse me, um, it was very, very like speculative like it Mm -hmm. was like maybe maybe not but also it was like talking about it in the sense that like it would be really cool if I could get this and like if I could choose I would get this or this or this Mm -hmm. and like I think that if I were to get bottom surgery I think that I personally for the functions that I am looking for would want the phalloplasty which is more expensive Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but Currently, I, you know, we've been talking more recently about it sometimes, um, and I currently do not want to get bottom surgery. Um, I think that it's difficult because I do occasionally, in terms of, like, sexual activity, sometimes feel dysphoric, um, which can be difficult. However, I think that it's also Lately, I've been weighing the disadvantages and the advantages in my head, and I feel like it's more—I find it, for me, more advantageous at this point in time to not Mm -hmm. get bottom surgery, um, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I know for, like, probably close to a year— like bottom surgery was the thing we talked so often about how excited we were for you to get bottom surgery and it's going to be so great and you're going to get a phalloplasty Mm -hmm. and we could see it happening in X amount of years and it will be so fun and blah 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 and I know your kind of thoughts and decisions about not wanting to get bottom surgery have happened or kind of started to manifest within the past few months Mm -hmm. I feel like the tipping point for me from going from like very excited and it's going to happen and it's going to be great to kind of feeling more cautious and almost more worried was when you got top surgery, mm-hmm. just thinking about how much more of a complex medical route it is to have a phalloplasty even just seeing you get top surgery like I started to worry I know I brought up to you multiple times like the skin graft situation like that I didn't want that to trigger your dysphoria especially if you're wearing shorts or mm-hmm. if you if you got it on your arm and you wear short sleeves like I didn't want that to be a reminder for you all the time that you literally wear on your sleeve that may trigger some dysphoria and I just feel like that's kind of when the realness started to sink in that like this is not just something that is just like fun to do no consequences nothing to worry about like this is a serious medical decision to make
1: Mm -hmm. yeah for sure I feel like for me dysphoria is something that comes and goes Mm -hmm. um and I think that again for me I the levels of dysphoria that I experience are manageable without getting bottom surgery yeah. at this point in time now what I will say is I think I can't imagine what it's like for trans people who do not have a long-term supportive partner because I can imagine that it it's probably very difficult um dating as a mm-hmm. trans person um, and, you know, having genitalia that don't societally match up with what, you know, a gen- assigned at birth, a mm-hmm. female or a male assigned at birth would have. Um, so I can imagine that it's probably much more difficult for trans folks that are not in um, committed relationships. And if you don't want a committed relationship, that's fine. But I just I can imagine that it's difficult for for. Um, others but for me specifically at this point in time it's not something that is really like a determining factor for me not to mention the fact that we didn't really mention you know like specific numbers but bottom surgery is expensive yeah I metoidioplasty is a little bit cheaper than phalloplasty but like when we say expensive we mean like 20 plus thousand dollars like that type of expensive yeah
0: Yeah,
1: it's very, it's definitely a a privilege um, to be able to get bottom surgery if that's what you are wanting to do.
0: Yeah, and I also think the conversations we've been having recently about bottom surgery kind of show how much more informed we've become. Because I also think reflecting on very early times after you coming out when we didn't like actually really know much, kind of thinking like well, I am a whole man. Like, I'm going to go all the way and do it because that's, like, what makes a trans man Mm -hmm. is, like, doing it all and kind of learning and realizing how uninformed and ignorant those thoughts and opinions are. Like, you... No matter what you look like, no matter what parts you have, you're a man because Mm -hmm. that's how you feel and that's just true. And there's nothing wrong with getting surgeries or not getting surgeries or anything like that
1: yeah good for us queens good for (laughs) us but that wraps up all of the content that we have for today's episode um we just wanted to wrap up a little bit some listener updates is that we are now up to 29 countries and 276 cities
0: you guys are so cool
1: i know so wild too because like we haven't been doing you know weekly episodes and that's just like so heartwarming to know that people are still listening and sharing and are following is still growing
0: right every time i go on the website it goes like up a little bit by a little bit i appreciate that um again if you can even if you don't listen there we would really appreciate for you to rate us and leave us a review on apple podcasts um also special freaking shout out to whoever our friend is that left us a review on august 25th i think about you often i tried to social media stalk you and figure out who you are and i failed so we want to be your best friend you are the cutest person please DM us because we want to know who you are. That review made our whole entire day.
1: Yeah, seriously. Thank you so much. And thank you for those of you who who have rated and reviewed us, even if it was, you know, months ago at this point. Um, We, as always, appreciate you all so much. And we are so happy for you to be on this journey with us.
0: Thank you so much, friends.
1: (laughs) Do you have anything else to close out?
0: Nope, I think that's it.
1: Okay, well, thank you all for listening, and we will see you all next time. Bye. Thank